So how did you uh, spend Canada Day? Uh, I so love that I get to live in this country. The people from coast to coast to coast are the nicest people on planet Earth. Seriously. And despite our roller coaster of oil prices, this is still a prosperous country. It's a land of opportunity, whether you're born here or come from somewhere else. And so I continue to pray, God, keep our land glorious and free. Today, we leap into our next story in this series called The Jesus Miracles. And today, I want to tell you a story about a guy who was looking for a miracle, kind of like many of us. He, he was looking for a miracle, and this guy, he was like looking for the better part of 38 years. I mean, he was real persistent. Let me take you to the gospel uh, that the Apostle John wrote and, and see how John introduces this story for us. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, uh, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. So here's what's going on. Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem, and, and he comes to this place called Bethesda. He sees this pool of water, and around this pool are these uh, porches. They're covered porches. And laying around and on these porches are hundreds of handicapped people who are all staring at the waters of Bethesda. People, they travel from kilometers and kilometers, maybe hundreds of kilometers, just to be able to lay at these porches around this pool of water. Why? Well, there was an urban legend back then that says uh, from time to time an angel would fly over the pool, and when the angel flew over the pool, the angel would begin to stir the water. And when the waters were stirred, they became miraculous healing waters. And the way it went was the first one in got healed. It's quite the urban legend. Okay, the Apostle John, he introduces us to our star character. He tells us there's this guy there who'd been handicapped for 38 years who was lying by the pool. So imagine being this guy, physically handicapped in some way, and he's some sort of invalid who has spent most of his life hoping for a miracle, hanging out at the pool, hoping that he'd be the first in and healed, and he's been doing this for the better part of 38 years. Are you picturing this? It's a pretty desperately sad picture to bring this miracle home to you and me. I get that the vast majority of us here are not physical invalids. We, we do not have any physical disabilities. Although there are those of us in our church family with physical disabilities, it's just that most of us don't have that. But all of us, because we are human, we have a handicap somewhere. For most of us, it's just not visible. But for all of us, the question is, or the question that I'd like you to consider is, what is your handicap? Let me, let me give you some possibilities. Is your handicap that you're spiritually blind? You are blinded to the things of God. You, you come to church, you get involved with small group, Bible study, uh, but it's just not making sense. You're, you're not feeling God's presence. You're not feeling God drawing you to himself. You're just not getting it when it comes to following Jesus. Friends, that's a handicap. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but you don't realize that God has created you with massive gifts and purpose. And because you don't understand that, it leaves you living well below the level God has called you to live at. 
Maybe there's a sin issue or an addiction issue or a relation issue, and you are uh, blinded to the fact that it is doing deep damage to you right now. That it's not just hurting you, but it's hurting people around you, people who love and care for you, and because of this, you are spiritually lame. Maybe you've been sexually abused, verbally, physically, mentally, or, or maybe you've been cheated on, and you're hurting. Your heart is broken. Your life is not happy. And, and whatever it is, it has left you spiritually paralyzed. Some of you are experiencing a bit of spiritual apathy, especially in these days of isolation. You haven't felt a touch of God in any fresh way for months. What is your handicap? Would you, would you give that some thought right now? So you have all of these people sitting by the pool of Bethesda. Not only are they physically handicapped, but they are struggling in so many other ways. In addition to their physical handicaps, they have mental, social, and spiritual handicaps, and they're all just waiting for a healing. Jesus walks to this pool. He sees all the people, and, and he walks straight to the guy who's been struggling with his handicap for 38 years. And take a look at what Jesus says to him. I, I mean, this is real important. Look at how Jesus, I mean, you can see this here. He really understands what this guy's handicap is that is more than just physical. When Jesus saw him laying there and, and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? That's the question that reveals the handicap um, he has beyond his physical handicap. The question is, do you want to get well? You know, when I first heard this, like years and years ago, when I was a, a teen going to Mass in a Catholic church, I, I kind of rolled my eyes. I went, come on, Jesus, the, the guy's been struggling this for like 38 years. Uh, he hasn't been able to hold down a regular job. Uh, he hasn't been able to take care of himself. He, he's had people waiting on him hand and foot. Of course he wants a miracle. But you know, now when I read that story, there is someone I think of from my previous church, a person who's debilitated, handicapped by bitterness and unforgiveness. There's an offense that she carries deeply from maybe 40 years ago, and on a semi-regular basis, when she was leaving church, if something in the message pushed her hurt button, she would spew a lot of unhealthy stuff as she was leaving. I tried without success to help her see that hanging on to her bitterness was only hurting her. Her anger wasn't touching the people she was angry at, but, but it was impacting her relationships and her physical health. And yeah, it was destructive to uh, the people she lived with. But let me tell you, she did not want to get well. She refused to get well. This destructive handicap of anger had become such an entrenched part of who she was. It was her identity. She was a self-appointed victim. And about once every three, four, five months or so, over the 20 years I pastored at that church, she would rehearse with me the story of what she saw as an injustice committed against her and her family and how awful those people still are today. Yeah, 20 years of that, and I imagine she's still doing it and will do it to her grave. It has pushed people away. It has pushed her family away. She just doesn't want to get better. She doesn't want to be well, and it is sad. Jesus asked this guy, do you want to be well? Or have you just grown comfortable with your handicap? Has your handicap become like 
core to your identity. So let me ask you as you look at your handicap, like what about you? Have you become comfortable with your negativity? Have you grown comfortable with your spiritual apathy? Have you become comfortable with your subpar marriage? Have things that once broke your heart and broke the heart of God just become non-issues to you now? Maybe your answer to the question, do you want to get well, is, well, if I'm really honest, no, not really. And my prayer for you is that maybe today, if you see that this is in you, maybe today you might gain some hope that you can let this go, because there is hope. Truth is, you, you just gave up. It's been 38 years. It's been so stinking long that you just don't think you could ever change. You complain about it, but you don't think it can change. Maybe, maybe today you will see differently. That's my prayer. So Jesus asked this guy, do you want to get well? What does the guy say? And think about this. I mean, he's got the creator of the universe standing in front of him. And I might add, you've got the creator of the universe standing right in front of you right now. What does this guy say? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Maybe I'm being unfair here, but I think the guy is whining. Just like that woman in my past church, he's, he's full of excuses. He, he does not answer with any hope, with any faith. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure he knew who Jesus was, or at least he had some idea because at this point in time, I mean, Jesus was pretty well known. And I read that, and I kind of want to yell at the guy. Guy, open your eyes. Would you open your eyes? You've got Jesus standing in front of you, the creator of the universe. And, and he's standing in front of you, asking you, do you want to get healed? Open your eyes and just say yes. What about you? Jesus is standing in front of you right now, and he's looking at you with your handicap, and he's asking, do you want to get well? Now, I won't yell at you, okay, but will you open your eyes and see his hand of love outstretched to you right now? Open your eyes and see Jesus. He is right there with you. But Doug, you, you don't know how bad my pain is. But Doug, you, you don't know how damaging my divorce has been. Doug, you, you don't know how long I've been struggling with this addiction. Open your eyes. How big is your God? Our God is bigger than all of our problems. God is bigger than anything you can throw at him. Okay, take a look at what happens next. This is so, so cool. This is awesome. After the guy has finished whining about his problems, spews out all of these excuses to Jesus about why he can't get well, Jesus says to him, get up, get up, get up. Pick your mat up, walk. And the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. I love it. And I want you to notice, Jesus didn't ask him to get up. Jesus was done with the whining and the excuses. This is not an ask, this is a command, get up. And because the guy obeyed, he experienced the miracle. He was able to walk, he was able to run, he was able to swim, he was able to climb, all because he obeyed what God was asking him to do. Friends, nothing new here. But there is a really close connection between obeying what Jesus says to you and experiencing the miracle. Obedience precedes the miracle. I mean, this is a pretty common theme throughout the Bible. 
God told Moses, take off your sandals. And because he took off his sandals, he, he led the children of Israel out of slavery. God told Noah, go build yourself an ark. And he did it. I mean, even when everyone else was making fun of him and there was no lake or ocean nearby and people are going like this, it's crazy now, like foolish, you're a fool. But because Noah obeyed, we're all watching this message, right? I mean, think about what would have happened if Noah didn't obey, right? There's a story of Naaman. Uh, he was a leper. His skin was falling off. And God, through the prophet, told him to go dip in the muddy Jordan River seven times. And it is muddy. I've seen it. Nothing overly special about the Jordan River, really. Naaman obeyed, and he was healed. Jesus told Peter, come to me on the water. Peter obeyed and walked on water. Oh, yeah, his faith wobbled a little bit, and he sank until Jesus rescued him. But, but he experienced the miraculous when he kept his eyes on Jesus and obeyed. In a story that we're yet to look at, Jesus said to the blind man, go wash the mud off, wash the mud off. And because he obeyed, he was able to see. You get the idea that obedience precedes the miracle? So what is God telling you to do? You know, around Fort Day, we talk a lot about that. You can listen and hear God speak. Jesus put it like this. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You and me. We, we have to become in, intimately connected to God. We have to read his word or listen to his word, the Bible regularly. We, we drink in the scriptures and listen for the voice of God. And then as we walk through our day, we continue to listen for God. It's called a personal relationship with Jesus, a, a relationship that includes a two-way conversation. Friends, Jesus speaks to us. Are you listening? What is he saying to you? What is he asking you to do? Follow him, no matter how long, how hard, how tough. Just follow him to where he's asking you to go, and you will see the miracle in your life. Maybe he's telling you to go to someone and ask for forgiveness, or maybe to extend forgiveness. Maybe he's asking you to push that plate of food away, because enough is enough. I mean, Jesus can get incredibly practical like that. Maybe he's calling you to give, to give to a cause that is close to his heart or give to your church in these uncertain days. And I know that all of this stuff isn't for all of you, but he might even ask you to destroy your credit cards, cut them up. He might ask that of you before he answers your plea uh, for financial help. He, he might be asking you just to look to him and walk away from that addiction. Friends, it's not impossible. Walk away and let God empower you through the withdrawal. Maybe he's asking you to find time in your day to spend some time with him. Maybe he's telling you to invest in your marriage and be authentic and real and truthful. Friends, if you begin to do what God asks you to do, you're going to see the miraculous flow in your life. And then it will flow through you to others. And why is all this possible? When you see beside me a, a table with bread and, and juice representing the body and blood of Jesus, representing the life of Jesus that was given up for you and me. When Jesus died on the cross, he, he broke the curse. He, 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 he broke the power of sin in our lives. And because of the cross, we can be set free of anything that we're in bondage to, set free from anything we are addicted to. And on the cross, Jesus purchased our wholeness, our healing. The Apostle Peter put it like this. 
He, talking about Jesus, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead uh, to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Do you see it there? Your healing, your wholeness, the, the miracle that you yearn for has been made possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. And do you see there as well that there's a connection between our healing and doing what is right? There's a connection between our healing and listening to Jesus and doing what he asks of him. Do you really want to get well? Will you listen to Jesus and do what he asks? Because this is the truth. Jesus can heal no matter what you're dealing with. Let's pray. And then we will celebrate communion together. Jesus, I thank you that your death on the cross has purchased my wholeness, my healing. In fact, why don't you do that? Why don't you just tell him thank you? In your own way, pray right now and just say thank you that he has purchased your wholeness, your healing. Jesus, would you draw close to me as I commit to draw close to you? And as I commit to spending time with you, I, I commit to listening to your voice. And as I listen to you throughout my day, I will say yes to you as you, as you lead me, as you prompt me. And Jesus, I give you my handicap. I will not use it as an excuse. I want to get well. I want to follow you. And I ask that you make me whole, heal me, set me free as I follow you. And I pray that you would use me to be an instrument of your healing in the lives of others. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.